Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Bridgewater. Uh, we're just so glad that you're here uh, this morning. My name is David, and I serve as an intern here. Uh, and somehow I'm supposed to preach after that, so um, good luck to me. Just kidding. But uh, uh, we are glad that you are here uh, this morning. And, and today we're continuing our series in uh, Outdated. And as you can see from these videos that we're kind of poking fun at things that are just uh, out of fashion in our world. Um, and But this series, what we're talking about is, is beliefs that are no longer in fashion in our world, but as followers of Jesus, we still hold them to be true. We still think that the Bible says that these things are true and these things are important. And last week, we kicked off that series talking about uh, people's favorite topic. We talked about hell and what the Bible has to say about hell. And this week, we're going we're gonna to go to another one again that, again, isn't people's favorite. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of creation. What does the Bible have to say about the beginning of of the world? How did everything that exists come to be? How did we get from the beginning of the world unto where we are now? What is the value of human life and who gets to decide what that value is? Well, thankfully, the Bible does have an answer to these questions. It doesn't leave us directionless um, and lost without knowing where to go. That's one of the things I love about the Bible is that it says something about everything. It may not answer every single little minute question that we have, but it has, uh, it has direction for every uh, big question that we have in life. It says something about everything. And so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, that's where we're going to be this morning. That'll be the very, very first chapter in your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we'd love to, to give you a copy of God's Word. You could stop by our Welcome Center, and we would be happy to give you a copy of that. Let's read what the Bible has to say about the beginning of the world, starting in Genesis 1, chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first Day And the rest of the chapter continues on with that same pattern where God creates something. He literally just speaks and something comes into existence and then there's an evening and there's morning and there was a marker for which day it was. And so the very first words in scripture lay a foundation for who God is, who you are, and how you got here. It's a worldview statement that many in our culture would not hold to, but scripture is incredibly clear that there is a God and he is the one who created everything. And so right in the first verse of the Bible, we see that God created everything out of nothing. That's our first key truth this morning. God created everything out of nothing. Nothing. And the rest of this chapter and really the next go on to describe in, in more detail how God did that, how he created everything out of nothing. You see, God did not manage something that was already existing. He didn't form something that was already there. He didn't recreate something. He did not use some existing process over many years. God created everything out of nothing. And I want to point out that that is fundamentally different than the kind of creation that you and I can be 
involved in. You see, you and I can, can make things, but we have to form something that is already there. Like we can turn a tree into paper or to furniture. Um, we can uh, turn metal into a car. Although, who are we kidding? Cars are pretty much just plastic these days, right? But, but the point is, we can form things out of something that is already there, but you and I have zero power whatsoever to create something out of nothing. But that is what exactly what God did. He merely spoke and things came into existence. And the discussion around creation always brings up the, the contrast that the creation story has with uh, modern scientific ideas about the beginning of the world. People are always wondering how it's possible for someone in the modern world to, to believe in something as ancient as what the Bible has to say about creation. And today I am not going to get into some big science versus the Bible argument. I think a lot of that debate is really based on a misunderstanding of the nature of science and the nature of Christianity. Because you see, science uh, is observing things that happen in the physical world. It looks at what's happening around us and it tries to figure out how things work and, and why they work and try to bring this kind of rational and logical order to the world around us. And inherent in that is a natural limitation. There's a natural limitation because if you wanna talk about things that are unobservable in our world, science doesn't have a lot of ways to help you there. I mean, scientists can theorize about those kind of things, but science is based on what is observable and what is verifiable. And so it's just a little bit naturally limited in those areas. And Christianity is a belief in a God who exists and who operates both inside and outside of our physical world. We believe that God created the world and he can step into and out of it as he pleases. And everything that science can, can study is actually only part of his creation. And so science and Christianity are not opposing forces. Be kind of like trying to use the, the rules of grammar to help you solve a math problem. They're just not talking about the same thing. And science also does not remove the need for faith. There are things that science just cannot fully explain. And so when the facts of science run out, we are all still left with faith, whatever our worldview might be. And so as Christians, we do not have to stick our head in the sand and be afraid of or ignore science. We don't have to be afraid of any new findings or any new theories because the very God that we believe in is the very God who created everything that scientists study and everything that they could ever discover. We also do not need to try and accommodate what scripture clearly teaches to make it match with what science says because the two actually aren't at odds when we understand them properly. God created everything out of nothing. It may not be the popular belief around us, but we believe here at Bridgewater, the Bible is clear that God is the origin of every single thing that exists. And as Matt has been pointing out for the last several weeks, if the Bible is in fact the word of God, then it is the final authority for what I believe and how I live. And that doesn't mean that we have some sort of blind faith where we ignore the realities around us, but it does mean that we have to come back to the Bible as the authority and as the foundation. And let me say on that note, that one of the things I have loved about being here at Bridgewater in the, the two years that I have been here is that this is a place that is not afraid of your questions and is not afraid of your doubts. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're just unsure how we could hold to what the Bible says in this area, we would love to have a conversation with you. 
You'll not find this to be a place that's easily offended by your questions. I know growing up in church, for me, it felt like I wasn't allowed to to question what we were told, but we believe strongly that if the Bible is true, then we don't have to be afraid to uh, talk about the questions that you have. We don't have to be afraid to, to talk about the doubts that might be in your mind. And so if that's you, we'd encourage you to have a conversation. Encourage you to talk with us. Well, secondly, this morning, God created plants and animals to produce after their own kind. Let's look at verses 11 and 24 of this chapter. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Then skip down to verse 24. Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. See, God created every living thing with the ability to reproduce itself, which, when you think about it, is is kind of crazy. I mean, I've always been amazed at the prospect that as humans, like, we can create more humans. That's always blown my mind because that's what God did in creation. He gave life the ability to produce more life. This explains how we can have the world around us today. You see, God created everything that existed here in Genesis 1, but those plants, those animals, those people uh, that were there on Genesis 1, those aren't the ones that are around us today, correct? And so this is how we got from there to here, is that life is able to produce life. God weaved into creation the ability to create more of itself, to reproduce after its own kind, not after a different kind. So dogs can't produce cats, right? Dogs produce more dogs, right? They were able to produce after their own kind. Life comes from life because God created animals and plants and people to reproduce after themselves. Well, third this morning, God created humans to be special. God created humans to be special. Let's read the last couple verses in this chapter, starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. These will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give you green, every green plant for food. And it was so. And you'll see in Genesis 2 that uh, really that's just kind of going in depth again into this creation of man and woman, mankind, when God created humans. And and I want to point out how different this is than the rest of creation. For everything else that we see here in Genesis, there's a simple statement that God spoke and it came to be, and maybe a couple of details to go along with that. But mankind is different. Text says that mankind is made in the image and the likeness of God. That is said about nothing else in all of creation. Only mankind is created in the image of God. 
And mankind's also given the, the privilege and the duty to rule over the rest of creation. God tells them to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule over it. They're given the task of managing, of, of stewarding, of taking care of this earth that God has created. That's the task that man has. And so all this shows that God created humans to be special. We're not like the plants and we are not like the animals. Some have struggled with accepting the, the special status of humans. It can sound kind of prideful or maybe even selfish to say that we're kind of special above the rest of creation. But if God gave us that role, then we really should not be afraid to step into it. It's only arrogant and selfish to, to say humans are special if, God, if we claim that when God never said it, right? That's the only way it makes it arrogant or selfish. Or if we try to make the fact that we are special, our special status about us, but the story of the Bible and the story of human history makes it clear that, that we are not the point of the Bible. God is at the center of the Bible. God is the one who this, the Bible is about, not us. We're not the center. And with that role over creation comes a real serious responsibility. We're supposed to take care of the world that God created. We're going to actually answer to God someday for how we managed, how we stewarded what he has given us. It's not as if we were given this absolute authority and we can just do whatever we want with it. We're going to be held accountable for how we managed this earth. And here's why this is so important. If humans are special, then we should treat them as if they are special. If mankind is different, then we should not treat them like the rest of creation. And I, I think we get that intellectually. That might sound like a kind of like a duh statement, but we don't always live that out. I think anytime we treat another human being with contempt, with anger, with hatred, with indifference, we're showing that either we don't truly believe or we just don't care that they're special, that they are made in the image of God. Mankind being special means that we can never think of another human being as worthless and we can never think of them as the enemy. If they're made in the image of God, they are inherently valuable. They matter because they are made in the image of God. They bear the mark of the creator and so we can't just toss them away. We can't just ignore them. No matter what they've done, no matter who they are, they have value. It means that people matter more than our political affiliation it means people matter more than our views on minute details of theology. It means people matter more than our stuff. People are what matter. And this is why racism and prejudice is just totally unacceptable for the Christian. God made mankind in his image, all of mankind. And so how dare we say that one race or one type of people or one group of people or one society or one class of people is better than another. We are all created in the image of God. And so racism, prejudice has no place in the life of a follower of Jesus. Humans being created special affects really every area of our lives. If we really believe that God created humans to be special, then everything about our interactions with other people changes. It changes how we treat the people at work. Because you see, we should care more about the people at work, our boss, our coworkers, our customers, whoever is there at work. We should care more about them than our position, 
than our salary, than our job satisfaction, than how our job feels right now, any of those things. The people matter more. It changes how we treat our stuff. I mean, the American dream is basically built around trying to accumulate more stuff, even if we have to trample all over other people made in the image of God to get there. The Bible says that people are what matters, not our stuff. It changes how we drive. Now I'm stepping on toes, right? It changes how we drive because the people on the road matter more than us getting to our destination on time. That person who's driving too slow in front of you is not just an obstacle in your way. They are a human being that is made in the image of God. It changes how we treat the waitress who messes up our order or the customer service person who isn't solving our issue as quickly as we would like them to. They are made in the image of God. They have value and they have worth. And so I never have a right to berate them, to yell at them, to get mad at them because they're not doing what I want when I want. Changes how I treat that person at work that's always getting on my nerves or who treats me like a jerk. Because they are made in the image of God, they have value and they have work and so, worth. And so I never have the right to treat them with anger, with contempt, with rudeness. It changes how I value the lives of people around me. If they are made in the image of God, then I cannot just lightly take somebody's life or even allow things that are dangerous and could therefore take someone's life to just go unchecked. This is why safety matters because lives matter. Human life matters and so it should be protected and it should be cherished at all costs regardless of race and age and legal status and societal status and regardless of anything, human life is what matters and so it should be protected, it should be cherished. It also changes how I treat people that I look up to. There can be a tendency to idolize and even worship people that we really like, but if they are made in the image of God, then it is God that we should be worshiping because any good quality that they are reflecting, guess where that comes from? That comes from God. And so that means that we should never worship the people around us, but we can do that when we live with their approval or their opinion as first in our hearts or when we try to, to be like them and do exactly what they would do. It's really easy, I think, to worship people, but just call it appreciation or something else. And I think I've said this to you before, but I want to again confess that I struggle with this a lot. I want people to like me, especially the people that I look up to. It's really easy for me to fall into this trap of caring more about what they think of me than what God thinks of me. And then I live my life essentially worshiping them instead of worshiping God. You see, God has already fully accepted me for exactly where I am, but I can still be tempted to try and earn their acceptance, to try and earn their approval. And what am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm worshiping them instead of worshiping the God who created them. I'm worshiping the creation instead of the creator. So much of this really is just an issue of our mindset if we could just see people around us as created in the image of God, it would change everything about how we treat them, wouldn't it? Change everything about how we treat them. Instead of seeing them as in the way, as a distraction, as a nuisance, or on the other end of the spectrum as a God or an idol that we should worship and give our lives to, instead of seeing them on either ends of that spectrum, we would see them exactly for what they are, a special creation of God created in his image. And we treat them with the dignity, with the respect that they deserve as somebody who's made in the image of God. 
Bible's clear. God made everything out of nothing. He gave life the power to create life, and he created human beings to be special. Human life is, in, is infinitely valuable because humans are made in the image of God. And so human life is to be treasured, is to be valued, is to be protected because it bears the marks of the creator. And so my challenge for you this week is to see everyone in your life as created in the image of God and treat them with the dignity, with the value, and the worth that they deserve as created in the image of God. And so when you get stuck behind somebody in traffic this week and they're just driving too slow and you really wanna just lay on your horn and let them have it, stop. Think, they are a human being created in the image of God and I don't have any right to treat them that way. When someone gets on your nerves at work or at home or at school this week and you really wanna just let them have it, Stop and realize they are created in the image of God. They have inherent value. They have inherent worth because they bear the marks of the creator. If we could just see the people around us as created in the image of God, we would treat them as such. Try and just, as you are around people this week, just try to think as you look at their face, think I am looking at someone who bears the image of God and I should treat them as such. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is clear. Thank you that your word gives us direction in all things and in the, even in the big questions of life. Who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get here? Your word has direction. And Father, we thank you that you created everything. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to create me. You didn't have to create anyone in this room, and yet you chose to. You didn't need us. You weren't lonely, but you chose to create us out of some joy in your heart, and that just blows my mind. And so, Father, I pray that we would be people who live in light of that this week, that you created us to be special, and not because it's about us, not because we're what's so important but you created us to be special and that means that human life matters, that humans matter. Help us to be people who treat others around us like they are made in the image of God this week. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus and for the new life that he Brings. Father, you gave life at creation and then at the cross, Jesus gave us uh, power to have new resurrected life. And Father, we thank you so much for that and for the, the baptisms that we got to celebrate today where we got to see people whose lives have been totally turned around because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you so much for Jesus and for his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray, amen.